Hello everyone, I'm Shalina, the Children's and Youth Program Director here at Impact Life Church. Welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, it would be great if you could take a moment to like this video or subscribe. But most importantly, we hope that what you hear impacts you so that you can go and impact generations for Jesus. You're here. And uh, before we get going, if you got your Bibles, I want you just to turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Oh, Aaron, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. That's a heavy pulpit, girl. You are strong. Uh, if you got your Bible, Colossians chapter 2 real quick, and we are continuing our series on roots. Everybody say roots. roots. Man, and that was our whole heart that we've been talking about for the past, well, I guess eight weeks now, about getting rooted and grounded in this truth of grace and faith. And uh, so we spent a considerable amount of time on there, and so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time in review. And uh, that's what my, what my wife is going to come up and just share a few things that are on her heart. Uh, just regarding this grace and faith that has been so helpful that man to hear her she shared it last night and I wanted her to share it again this morning it is so powerful but in Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 and 7 uh, it just says these words and I want to just read it to you real quick once I get there Colossians 2 New Testament there it is it says and now just as you've accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord you must everybody say you must you must continue to follow him let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will be strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. So what we're doing, what we spent this you know, good amount of time on is just talking about grace and faith. So we took all of January discussing this topic on grace. What is grace? It's got five different elements that it's revealed. It is powerful. It's strong. I mean, we were born again. We were brought into the kingdom of God by grace. Now, grace simply means it is God's unmerited favor. It's his kindness. It's his goodness that's being given towards you with no strings attached. God is just, he's good. That's who he is. He is a good God. I don't know what you may have heard or what your past may have taught you, but my God, the God of the Bible, is only good. There's no darkness in him at all. So anytime you see that, okay, you can trust God. We're trusting His goodness. We're trusting in who He is. And so we hear that that's grace. Now, great or faith then is simply, hello, is a simply a response to what grace has already done. So faith is not a movement. Faith is not a denomination. Faith is the way that we, as children of God, are called to live. It says in the Bible, the just shall live how? I'll say it like you mean it, folks. How does... By faith, this is how we live. This is who we are. We are faith people. So anybody at any time that has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they are called to live by faith. This is who we are. And what is faith? Faith is simply a response to what grace has already provided. God in His goodness has provided everything that we'll ever need. Faith is simply a response to that provision. So before I get, get hot and preachy, I've got to better just slow down a little bit. I'm going to call up my beautiful wife, Jamie. We've been married almost for 11 years now, and this girl is, she's my best friend. She's my partner in ministry, my partner in life, the mother to my children. What else? What else do we do? She dresses me. I feed you. you <laughs> she wondering, man, how does this guy always look so good? <laughs> Actually, no, you, you took over dressing yourself about a year ago. Well, <laughs> I'm going to sit down now. That's <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Awesome. Well, thank, thanks for having me. Um, as, as Pastor Joel said, my part really quickly here is to tell you 
a little bit about my journey to starting to live a faith lifestyle. And in that, I got a couple of little teachy points here because I am a teacher. That's who I am. Um, but you know what? I, I really do believe that every Christian has a couple of key decisions to make in their life. One, obviously, to get born again, right? And after you've received Jesus, I honestly believe the thing that has impacted my most, my life the most is to get filled with the Spirit because that empowered me to live this Christian life. But then after that, the absolute biggest life change, and besides marrying Joel Housing, yes, that's been monumental in my life, was the journey to deciding that I'm going to make this my final authority. Because just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you firmly believe you're going to live your life according to this word. You can be a Christian for your whole life and live according to your emotions. I mean, who knows? Those are all up and down. Hormones? Like, I've had three kids. You could be living your life like all over the joint. Maybe even you could live according to bitterness or offense. You could live your life according to what you've been taught or what you've experienced. So honestly, every one of us has to come to the place where we decide this is our final authority. And really what I wanted to highlight today is that learning to live a life of faith, you don't just wake up one day and you're this faith giant, right? It really is a walk. It's one step after another. And then it becomes a faith lifestyle. But when you're beginning to do that, it is a learned thing. Everyone say learned. You learn how to live by faith. At first, you might read something in the Bible, and you might see it for the first time. Example, maybe a scripture on healing. And you're thinking, I have never in my life heard that God is a healer. But then you see it in the word. And you know, every single one of us has a choice to make. I love Pastor Joel has hit on this already, because like he said, this series has been going on for a while. But it's impossible to say, I choose not to, or I don't believe that. I can't believe that. Because really, you're choosing if you want to believe something or not. So my journey has has been just that. I remember when I decided that, you know what, I'm kind of done playing, I guess. I, I don't think I was playing around with Christianity, but I'm a real all-or-nothing person. I know this lady, Gail Smith. She can eat one square of chocolate a day. And I just, not only do I think it's crazy, I'm just like kind of baffled like how could you do that i learned i'm not an in moderation person i am either all or nothing i could eat the whole chocolate bar <laughs> or we can't keep that thing in our house so i think where i was at is a frustration started to build when i would read something in the word and then i would say things like man i don't know where my tuition payment's going to come from i know god provides but i just really need it now and I was a young adult at the time, surrounded by a lot of other Christians, and I just, I found that that was kind of how we lived. We, we, you know, went to Bible school, we loved God, we read the word, but there was always that word, but. There was always that, ah, I wonder how God's actually going to do it. I remember, this is probably when Joel and I were first dating, I think I just came to the point of frustration, where I was like, I'm just tired of hearing but, and I decided this word is going to be it for me. It's going to be it. And I can go back to that decision in my life now that I'm, what, 12 years past that. And I can see how making that decision that whatever you see in the word is your final authority is what has led me to all the places I had to go after that. You know, a couple years after that, my dad passed away suddenly. Was I, was my life turned upside down? No. 
because I had already decided that whether I didn't feel joyful or peaceful, that that is what God had given me, that he is my prince of peace. You know, when Joel and I started taking steps in leadership here at their church, I didn't go, oh God, like, how are we going to do this? Because I saw it in the word that we were empowered to do whatever he had called us to do. When we decided that, you know, it's feeling like it's time to have kids, been married a few years, feeling like we really want to start our family, and things were just not happening. I mean, things were happening, but (laughs) things... How does one say that? I said last night, Joel said, in high school they teach you it only takes one time. What a jip. It doesn't take just one time. For us, we were a few years in the journey. But you know what? We didn't just wake up one day and say, we're, we're fully persuaded that we're going to have kids. We didn't. Sorry if you thought we were those gigantic faith giants. No, it was a process. I wouldn't say process of getting our minds renewed, of finding it in here. And then I'm going to tell you a few other steps in a second, but basically applying that to our life. So I want to show you guys a scripture in Hebrews 11.1, 1, but in the Amplified, there's a new Amplified. Anyone know that? Yeah, it is good. Thank you, Gail. I'm going to give you one square of chocolate after. <laughs> so in the new Amplified, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance, the title deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen. Now listen to this. The conviction of their reality, faith comprehends as fact. Say fact. What cannot be expressed by the physical senses. We're talking about learning to live a life of faith. And I want to to give you permission. I want you to give yourself permission to learn how to live a life of faith because it starts again by deciding, you know what, I'm tired of being moved by what I see or feel and I'm going to just be moved by the word. It takes that firm decision, but as soon as you make that decision, you know you're going to walk out these doors and life is going to come at you. You're going to have to train yourself to be more aware of what the word says You're going to have to train yourself to go back to what the word says, despite what you are feeling in your body. You know, you could be physically on the inside dying, but yet you could stand on this word that by the stripes of Jesus, you have been healed. And you know what? We're going to see you healed. Like this is life and death to a lot of us people. So I just want to really quickly recap for me. Um, Part of that process, again, is all of January, Pastor Joel preached on grace. So the first thing is you're going to have to know what grace has provided for you. I encourage you, go and listen to those that month of messages because that was so good. Faith has got to have something to respond to, right? So if you're learning to live a lifestyle of faith, first find out what's available to you (laughs) to stand on, right? And a lot of that comes by learning God's character, right? You don't want to just learn, oh, okay, um, provision is available. No, learn that God is your provider, right? And then after that, like I said, you've got to decide. Um, and this is okay. It's okay to ask yourself, do I believe that? In fact, I encourage you whenever you read a scripture, do I believe that? Now, guess what? <laughs> Whether you believe it or not, it is the truth, <laughs> But it's vital that you ask yourself, do I believe that? Because the next steps you take are going to be lined up on if you choose, I don't think I believe that. Or, you know, I, a lot of people do this. 
I don't believe that scripture. Well, it's either all God's word or it's not God's word, right? So once you've decided, you know what? I believe that. Your next step is to do this. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 5, 7. But again, this time is in the New Amplified. A lot of us know this scripture, but the New Amplified brings it out in a brand new way. It starts like this. For we walk by faith, faith not by Meaning we walk by what the word says, right? Not by what we're seeing or feeling. Now hear this. Living our lives in a manner consistent with our confident belief in God's promises. So if you're going to walk by faith, you're going to live your life in a way that lines up with what this word says, right? So first you find out what's been made available to you. Then you find out, do I choose to believe it or not? And once you've said, I believe it, you could even be like the guy Joel's preached about him. I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. He just needs something to work with. I believe it. Now what do you do? Well, you line up your life with what you say you believe. And you know, this could be a message in itself, so we're not going to get into it. But how do you do that? You can do that by speaking the word that you're standing on, right? Not to make it true, but because it is true. And you want to line yourself up with it. You can do that by literally standing. You know, Pastor Jeff, he is a pastor in town, but he preaches at our Bible school. He said at one point, he's believing for finances. He had to write out um, scriptures on provision, and he had to literally stand on them, right? You can meditate on the word. That means you chew it over and over. Honestly, you're meditating on something. Your internal dialogue is either going with this or not with this. So if you're learning to live a life of faith, I encourage you, get a scripture and start meditating on it. But really, all of that is lining up our living, our speaking, our doing with what we say we believe. And for me, you know, a big part of that has been giving myself regular heart checkups. If I say I believe something, let's use worry because that can apply to everyone here in an age of anxiety, right? In an age where it just seems like it's normal for Christians to get to say, I'm just so anxious. I'm just so anxious over this situation. You know, that was one of my first things that I decided when I said, this is my final authority. I don't worry. It's not part of my life anymore. Well, what happens the next morning when I start to worry? right? I did all the things I just told you. I find a scripture that says, do not worry. I start speaking it. I stand on it. And then I line my life up. And when I'm not, when I start, you know, start chirping a little bit or in my head, mostly I'm like grumbling and what am I going to do about this? I give myself a little checkup and it's kind of like this. You just pull yourself back over to what the word says. People, this is learning to live a lifestyle of faith. This is how we let the Holy Spirit train us to be more aware of what we cannot see because that's what we're living by, right? I'm just going to close with this. You all know the story of Abraham because Pastor Joel's been preaching on it, that Abraham was told that he's going to be a father of many nations and his physical body is just not making it happen. And he decides, it says, against hope, Abraham believed anyways, right? So this, what we're talking about, this process of learning to live by faith, it's going to end with you being fully persuaded. You know, when we were believing to have children, there is not one person on this wonderful earth that could have come up to us and said, God is not going to give you children. 
It didn't happen overnight. It happened from many times alone with God in the secret place, letting him show me. Joel did the same thing, letting him show Letting God show him, this is what I promised you. This is what I'm going to give you. But we got to the point where we became fully persuaded. And you know what? Honestly, that's where no one can tell you otherwise, right? If you see it in here and you become fully persuaded, it's just a matter of time before those babies start coming. (laughs) If that's not what you're believing for, then I'm not going to speak that over you. But you know what I mean. That was our our story. Nothing to do with us. Honestly, it had everything to do with God had a promise and we just would not let go. So I encourage you, learn, train yourself. Let the Holy Spirit teach you how to live a lifestyle of faith. We're still learning. It's like, you know, you start to learn how to stand on the word in a certain area and then there's another area to learn. That's what it is. It's a walk of faith. So you're going to keep putting one step in front of the other. So that's what I felt like was my part portion to share with you today. I know I heard the message Pastor Joel is going to speak in a minute because he did it last night. It's awesome. We got ears to hear, so we're ready to hear you. <laughs> All right, sweetheart. Thank you, darling. Love you. Man. When this girl gets to teaching at me, it's glorious. I just kind of sit behind the table and just go, bring it on, girl. So, man, I love you, Jay. She's my best friend. This church would not be what it is if it weren't for you. So I'm thankful for you. You know, I'm going to just add on just a few things, kind of what Jamie was just mentioning, because we're just kind of wrapping this whole thing up, and I want to make sure we're kind of hitting every every area about this. Uh, but what she was just describing, because one of the things that you kind of maybe have the perception, you can kind of get this away, is faith is trying to get something from God. That's not it at all. You already got it. Faith is simply now releasing what you already have. Right, So I want to just show this. So I, I want to just talk a little bit about a standpoint about the position that you and I hold as children of God, what's already been given to us. So rather than thinking, I got to get something, no, I'm just releasing what I already got. So this is what we got to get. And believers, we got to know this stuff, especially for the day and age that we live in. We need to know this. So I want you to go just in your Bibles, and I have it on the screen, but Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And I want you just to understand this, that you are a possessor of all things. Say it, I am a possessor of all things. Now, don't go looking around, kind of like what Jamie just said, like looking around naturally. Well, I don't see this, and I don't have that. That's, that's not it. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about now, again, the things of God. You are a possessor of all things. And in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, the Bible lays it out real good, and here's the passion, but I'm going to read it to you from there first. It says, everything, everybody say Everything. Everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by His divine power. Everything. Everything you'll ever need for this life, for living a godly life, for the life that you're living now, has already been deposited in you. Now this is going to be a game changer for some people. If you get the understanding of this, if you see this, this will change everything. It says, for all of this, talking about all of the good things that he given to us, was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. Now I'm going to just read it to you from the New King James. It says this, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. The only thing that we as believers are lacking is knowledge. Maybe you know that in Hosea it says, My people perish for what? A lack of 
knowledge. So it's not that we're trying to get something from God. You have to know what's already been given to you by Him. We've got to see it this way. You're not trying to get stuff from God. God's already done the work. Because most Christians believe that God can do anything, but they don't believe He's done very much. <laughs> oh, you know, I, I, I need some wisdom. I need a little bit of this. I need healing. I need all of these things. And so they're go, still acting at it from this position of I need rather than I have. Right? You are not the sick trying to get better. You are the healed and the enemy is trying to take away your health. So if you see it from that perspective, it's completely different. Right? Okay. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Again, I'm just kind of wrapping this thing up here a little bit. But it says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, what does the word there say? Has blessed us. Now what is has blessed us? Is that past, present, future? Past. He already has done it. Say he's already done it. This is God's perspective on it. He's already blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And now you are in Christ Jesus, are you not? So you are a possessor of everything that God has. You got it. Say, I got it. it. This this will get you very excited. I'm I'm waiting for somebody to go for a little run here. But this will change you. If you understand, rather than me trying to get it, I'm already a possessor of it. I already own everything because he purchased it for me at the cross. He already bought and paid for it. Right? Okay. Now, since God has already provided everything, and if I don't see it or feel it, what's he promised? What he has promised? It's not that God didn't give it. It's that I don't realize what I already have. So that's just think of it that way. It's not that God's not giving it. You just need to realize what you already have. Okay? So, when you know what you, when you have something, it takes the struggle out. Because I've talked with people and they're struggling to get healing. You're not trying to get it. You got it. Now, Dora, I'll answer a question in a second. You're thinking, well, how do I see it then? Hold on. When you know that you have something, it takes out the condemnation. When you know that you have something, it takes you out of a legalistic mentality of trying to earn things from God. And when you know that you have something, it removes doubt. So we want to live from this standpoint that God has already done it. So if He's already done it, what do I need to do? What's my part now in this? Well, Philemon chapter 1, verse 6, it says these very clearly. The sharing of your faith may become effectual. Now, that word effectual just simply means that your faith begins to work. So you want to see your faith working, right? Anybody want to see their faith working? Yes. So what does the Bible say? You want to see it effective? How? By acknowledging. Everybody say acknowledging. You know, if you actually do a little study in the Greek, acknowledging simply means you are admitting that something is already true. I'm admitting this is true in me. By acknowledging every good thing which is in me, in Christ Jesus. Now, why does it say in Christ? Because I'm, Jesus is in me, I'm in Him. Now that I'm in Him, I need to acknowledge every good thing that He's placed on the inside of me. So rather than thinking, I need healing, you start going, I am the healed. This is who I am. Now listen, this is a whole new way of talking because this is how we live now. We're not living trying to get stuff from God. We live as those who have already received from Him. So now what am I acknowledging? I'm acknowledging that I have the mind of Christ. I have the wisdom of God for this situation. Lord, thank you for bringing it to me. Now what you're doing, that's, that's all faith. And you may not see it or possess it, but you still look at it from this perspective. I already got it. 
And what happens, then God has got something He can work with and He can get it to you. Right? That's, it's working together with Him in this. So you got to hook up with what God has already been doing. Right? Okay. So now, that's, I just wanted to throw that in there. Because man, when you already got it, you start acknowledging or releasing because it's true. You already possess it. Again, I love when Jamie just said that you're not saying it to make it true. You're saying it because it is true. Man, I am. Like, and that's something we can constantly say. I know this for when, when we're, whatever you're called to do. I am anointed to preach the gospel so people get it. I'm not saying it to make it true. I'm saying it because this is what He's done in me. So I am constantly acknowledging every good thing which is in me in Christ Jesus. So next time you look in the mirror, just get yourself all looked up real nice and say, Jesus lives in you. Man, I can do all things through Christ because He strengthens me. You just start acknowledging things and watch the change. Just see how things begin to change in your life. Simply by acknowledging, this is what the Word tells us. Acknowledging every good thing which is in me. Because people are good at acknowledging every bad thing about them. Man, I'm 32 and I still got a zit. What is going on with my face? I feel frumpy and I look like this. And nothing just seems to work. Well, how is that working out for you? Days are miserable. My kids are always doing that. No, I'm going to start acknowledging every good thing that I have. I know how to parent. <laughs> I don't understand you. I don't get it. No, I'm going to change those words. The Lord had to correct me on that. I was running into things with my oldest kid and going, I don't understand what else to do. I give you, I don't know, I don't get it. It's me. It's, I'm working with me and I don't get it. <clears throat> me and my son have very similar personalities. I know what helped me is just some starburst. Just throw some starburst at me. I'd be fine. I'm not going to do that in this case. So I just go, Lord. And so I started to change the way that I'm saying. I'm starting to acknowledge every good thing which is in me in Christ Jesus. That includes parenting. Everything that pertains to life, he gave it to you. Uh, so I can parent. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Okay, now let's continue on here. First John chapter 5. And I want to just lay this out again because this is vital information. First John chapter 5, verse 1. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ. How many of you believe that? Jesus is the Christ. What have you become? Because you believe something, notice you become something. You believe that Jesus is the Christ, and what happened? You became a child of God. That's who you are this morning. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, you are a child of God. Now, we'll tell you why. That's vital and vital to know. Everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. <clears throat> Verse 2 says... Turn there. There it is. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey His commandments. I'm going to read it from my Bible. I'm going to. You guys can just go quick with me. All right. Loving God means keeping His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Verse four then says, "For now every child of God." Now, who are children of God again? What's the qualification to be a child of God? You believe that Jesus is the Christ. So it's not about church attendance. It's not about being a good person. It says if you are a child of God, and the only way you become a child of God is if you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But then he says the moment you do that, every child of God, what do they do? Defeats or is defeated? Defeats this evil world. And now we achieve this victory through what? Our faith. Now verse 5, just in case you didn't understand it, didn't quite get it, he goes on and says that who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. 
So here's the thing. If you look at this, if you do not believe that Jesus is the Son of God, meaning everybody out in the world, and that's our job is we want to reach them to get them to see who Jesus is. But the moment you confess Jesus is Lord, that's the moment you became a world overcomer. That's how God sees you. But if you don't have Jesus as Lord as your Savior, guess what? The world is going to kick your butt. And sadly, here's the thing too. Even though you may be a child of God, you may be losing. Anybody ever lost before? Yeah. So here's the thing. That's, is that God's will? No. His will is that His kids win. But here's the thing. We need to learn how to win. Now this is, go back to verse 4. And it says, we achieve this victory. If the Bible didn't have that last sentence... It says, every child of God defeats this evil world, period. If that were the case, we'd all be going, man, isn't life amazing? Isn't it awesome? But then he put a little bit of a stipulation in here. We achieve this victory, how? Through our faith, through my faith. That's how I see victory. It's mine. Remember, we talked about that. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, immediately he gave you a measure of his faith. He gave you the tool that overcomes this evil world. He gave it to you. Now it's your and my job to develop it. It's your and my job to grow it, to establish it, to strengthen it by His Word. And He left it with you and said, do what you want to do with it. But if you don't do anything with it, this world is going to kick your butt. It absolutely will. You can pray all you want. Oh God, can you please just help me with this? Please just do this. You're already coming at it from a, from a losing perspective and that's not going to help you. So we need to learn to what operate the way that God operates. Right? I love this when we had Chip Brim here. He just talked about that this thing that Christians do is called spray and pray. Right? You know, and like in the there's a military term, they just kind of shot a lot, hoping that one one hits somebody. What is that spray and shoot or just Is it just yeah, just hopefully you just hit something. Right? Anything that moves. Well, he said the Christians are kind of doing the same thing. Lord, help me, help me, help me. He's not like an auctioneer. God, I need this. How about this one? How about this one, God? Can I take 20? How about this one over here? Hoping that something just sticks. And, oh, poof! It, it worked! Yeah, it worked! And all of a sudden, we start doing the same thing, thinking that's what the answer is. And in fact, no, it was just really, it's a faith accident. <laughs> oh, I guess this, one of them stuck. Listen, God is so for you. But we have to learn how to work alongside Him. And He is a faith God. That's who He is. And we discussed all that. So we need to learn how to live and operate by faith so we can see results in our life. Because that's the name of the game. God didn't give you, know, give you faith so that you could just go, Oh, I have faith, but I don't want to do much. If there's situations, circumstances in your life that do not line up with the Word of God, He gave you faith to change it. You don't have to be stuck with what you're at. You don't have to be stuck with, with the way things are looking. You can change it. How do I change it? The victory through my faith. So again, we are here to learn, to understand how to use this victor, victorious tool. And so winners, listen, in any kind of realm, if you're a winner in the school, classroom, you sound, talk different. I, that's not my frame of reference, so I don't know. I go to sports. I come from the sports background. When men, winners talk different. Winners act different. Winners look different. They think different. As a Christian, as believers, we've got to learn to think different. we got to think win. we got to think victory. we got to think triumphant because this is who we are. Right? So we got to understand how to talk faith, how to talk victory, how to talk, think, act this way. Right? Okay. Last scripture before I jump into this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13. 
And it just talks about this. I'll just say here. Since we have the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believe, therefore I speak. We also believe, therefore we speak. There is something about this faith. The Bible calls it just the spirit of faith. What is the spirit of faith? I believe, therefore I speak. You can't help it, but when things may be looking totally crazy, faith people will come against anything that looks like that. They'll change it by what they say. There's a new way of living. It's a new way of acting. It's a brand new way. It's a victorious way. Like when God came up and was ready to create the whole world, and it was pitch dark out there, he'd go, man, it's shoot, it's dark out here. What am I going to do? Sadly, that's where a lot of Christians are at. Shoot, what am I going to do about this? No idea. But what did God do? He said, light be. Change the whole atmosphere. So the same way, we need to learn how to be victorious people. And this is one thing, Jamie and I, we were talking about this last night, but I mean, I've talked with people wherever, however I can, whenever the opportunity arises to talk about Jesus. And a lot of times, this is a big one that I hear, is you just use Christianity as a crutch. I constantly hear that, oh, it's just a crutch for you. Well, if you were talking, kind of what Jamie was mentioning earlier, just going, yeah, I'm not really interested, you know, I, I love God, and I, you know, but, I, you know, I'm not seeing any of these results, then it is a crutch. I can see that. But what I'm talking about, when we're talking about winning, there is no crutch in this. This is how you win. This is it. So what we want to talk about is not just, oh, i got to just barely make it along in life, and I'm just holding on to God, hoping that everything's going to be okay. That is not Christianity. Christianity is, I've got the power. Yeah. This is who we are. So we talk different. That's our, our sound is different. You're not going to hear, oh, God, just come to me and everything should be okay. Baloney. It's wimpy. God's not responding to that. And sadly, that's the view that people have of Christianity. I actually read a statistic that men in Western culture are the hardest people to reach because they think it's a crutch. Because men want to appear strong. Well, the strongest men I know love God. <laughs> so I don't know about you, but I'm interested. People are drawn to strength. And that's what the church, this is who we are. We are a strong bunch. Hoorah. Okay. I feel like chest bumping something. All right. So now since faith is our tool, faith is the receiver, faith is how we overcome this evil world, I now need to know how does faith come? If I already possess it, well, how is it activated? How can I see it birthed into my life? And we're going to talk a little bit about hearing for the last little bit that I have. Talk about hearing. Romans 10, 17. Everybody knows these verses, but I really want you to hear it. Faith comes how? From hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. So notice, what do you see in there? Faith comes how? From hearing, and that is, hearing again. You are constantly putting yourself in a position to hear. Now, just before I, I move on, I want you, I don't have this on the screen, but go to John chapter 2, and we're going to finish up this series next week just talking about faith. But in John chapter 2, you see this is the absolute key for miracles. This is the key to life right here, John chapter 2. And guess who figured it out? Jesus' mom. Don't mamas know everything? <laughs> Mother knows best for those of you. <laughs> for those of you that have no idea where that's from, that's from Tangled. It's a horrible show that I got stuck watching a few times. No, it's actually it's pretty good. Who am I kidding? I watched it by myself when nobody was around. <laughs> Kids, go to bed. Why? I have to watch Tangled. Come get out of here. <laughs> 
Anyways. So in John chapter 2, verse... Um, I'll just read verse 1. It says, The next day they were at a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also live, were invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told them they have no more wine. Dear woman, that is not our problem, Jesus replied. You know, there's some good truth to that. Man, I could... Because people have issues does not make it your problem. Jesus right there laid out a very strong thing right here. Dear woman, that's, that's not my problem. Just because somebody else is going through a situation and you take it upon yourself, it's not your problem. It's not your situation. So I just think it was really cool how Jesus just put that in. This is God speaking. Anyways, my time has not yet come. But his mother told his servants, Amen. verse 5, I, just, I love this. She kind of, I just think Jesus' is mom, they don't have any more wine. Woman, just let it go. It's not my problem. Then she turned around and said, um, do whatever he tells you to, tells you to do. <laughs> just, just do it. She saw something in him. But I just want you to see this. Do whatever he tells you. Can you guys change the translation to a New King James just for a moment? It kind of brings it out. This, this is so clear. And then the New King James, does anybody have a New King James? or What does it say? Do you have? Oh, there it is. Whatever he said. Here's the two parts to it. Whatever he says is one. Number two, do it. This is the key to your successful life right here. Whatever he tells you, do it. So first off, you can't just do it without hearing. And you can't just hear without doing. So you have to hear it, then you got to do it. So this is what we want to talk about is number one is whatever he says. So whatever he says, we're just going to do it. It's what we do, man. It's what we do. Again, that's another. I watched an interview, a basketball interview, and this guy was talking about all the blocks that he got in the game. And the reporter asked him a couple of questions, and it was really horrible questions. Because reporters, I don't know why they just, so how did you guys win the game? We scored more buckets than the other team. So you got a lot of rebounds. How'd you do that? I just jumped up and caught the ball more than other people. Like, those questions are really, really lame. But this, they asked this guy, so how did you get so many blocks? The guy's like seven foot six. It's what we do, man. It's what we do. And I just thought, <laughs> as believers, who are we? Whatever he tells us to do, it's what we do, man. It's what we do. So there, there you are. But I would like to be a sports announcer because I would like to ask the awkward questions but I won't list them off right now. But whatever he says to you, do it. So faith comes, how? Hearing. By hearing, and by hearing, and by hearing, and by hearing the Word of God. This is who we are. We are hearers. And in the Bible, I just spent some time just studying hearing for a little bit. And uh, there may be more, but for myself, I just looked at it. There's different positions for hearing. You know, the, the proverb chapter 4, it actually says, incline my heart to hear. You're actually, you know, for those of you that work out, there's an incline bench that you can actually prop up. So usually the bench is flat, but you want to do an incline. You're kind of propping yourself up to listen. I just kind of see that from my own heart. I'm going to incline my heart. And that's the first one I want to mention. There's three different positions for your, for your ears to hear. Number one is simply ears to hear. That means you are listening with the intent to understand and do what is said. You're hungry to learn. Anybody ever seen anybody hungry to learn? And they're on the edge and they're just, okay, tell me, man, what, what are you saying? Give it to me. Give it to me. Bring it on. I'm ready. I want to understand this. And really, if you kind of do more study on that, these are people that Jesus would say, pay attention. Bring it on. 
I got, I got my baseball glove out. I want, I want the biggest you know, ball glove that I could get. That ball can get in there. Lord, what are you going to say to me? It's an attitude that you take on. And in Matthew chapter 7, it just Jesus lays this out real clearly. Verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is who? Wise. Wise. So forget what my grade 7 teacher told me. Remember her, Mom? I do. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Let's just say parent-teacher interviews were not the highlight of my career. Great kid. Very distracted. Great kid. Uh, you know, I don't see much more than a C-plus student. But I see right here, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. <laughs> so I can still be SMRT, and I am fine with that. <laughs> How do I do that? I just listen and then I follow. That's it. This is how simple life is. Listen, follow. Don't overcomplicate life. Jesus calls us sheep for a reason. Sheep are... Well, <laughs> give yourself... <laughs> yeah, you said it. I didn't say it. You said it, alright? But I think Jesus came to simplify life. Religion complicates it. So if you think God and church and Jesus and the Holy Spirit is just this complicated mess, let me just tell you, religion has gotten in the mix. Religion confuses the snot out of what we're trying to do here. They mix this whole thing up. Jesus is simple, yet it's so deep. He said, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is, is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Then he goes on, though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it what? It won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Your life will not collapse. You will not fail. Listen, you got to say, I won't fail. If you hear and do, you can't fail. No matter what the economy is like, no matter what they do, no matter who goes in power next month, it does not matter. I remember hearing this statement, when you live a life, a style of faith, you do not have to change the way you live. You don't. Because what is the faith lifestyle? I hear and I do. So my life is totally dependent on my hearing first. So this is one thing I think in the culture that we live in today, hearing is so whatever. No, nobody listens to understand. Nobody really grasps what's going on. Everybody's just offended. <laughs> and so they already ear with these ears. And I won't get into that. Let me just ears to ear first. These people are, they're inclining their heart. Lord, I'm coming to a service. I'm coming to a connect group. I'm coming to whatever. I put on these podcasts. I'm at the gym. I put them on. Lord, teach me. I'm ready to learn something. These people are hungry for the word because they're looking to understand. And they're looking to apply their life to what the word says. These are a hungry bunch. Is that anybody in this room? Yes. Oh, this is a full room of those people. We got ears to hear. This is who we are. Then the second group of people are those that have ears to hear. They, they have ears. They're hearing. But they don't listen to understand. They're just kind of going through the rituals. Oh, I did my church duty. Check. Listen to a podcast. It makes me feel good. Okay, good. That's all fine. There's no intention of doing what is heard. So Jesus continues on in this same passage. Anyone who hears my teaching and then doesn't do it or doesn't look to obey it? What are they? Foolish. It's foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand. Now notice this, the sand again, the winds come. Verse 27. It says, when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, notice what will happen to this person. But I hear the word. I go to church. 
I, li- I listen to podcasts all the time. I hear the word, but they've never done it. Notice what happens to their life. It will collapse. And then it says, with a mighty crash. Is this God's will for you? No. But people go around saying, and these are a lot of times these people are talking, I don't understand why God allowed this to happen. Hey, God will allow anything to happen. It's yours. It, the authority rests in your case. Are you hearing to do? Because what will happen is I won't collapse. But if I'm just, you know, kind of going through my casual Christian walk, you know, this is good, this is great. What's going to happen? It will collapse. I just don't understand. I pray. It's nothing to do with that. It's are you hearing with the intention of doing? And this is where I found this is a big disconnect between a lot of believers. Again, how is your attitude to hearing? Your answer could be here this morning. And people just, oh, I don't know what time is it. I'm ready to go to Dairy Queen after this. You're missing your answer. And it's not me. It's the Spirit of God on the inside of you that's trying to get something to you. So don't just miss it because, you know, the distractions and all these types of things come. That's guy number two. Well, individual number three is somebody who has itching ears. Everybody say itching ears. And I don't mean they just got an itch. Or they just sit and just, uh. I'm talking about, and we're going to read it here in 2 Timothy chapter 4. But itching ears describe individuals who seek out messages and doctrines that condone their own lifestyle as opposed to adhering the truth and the teachings of the Word of God. And this is, you know, I, I read this last night. Just for a moment, just go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Let's just read a few of these verses for a sec. I want to just show you something because we kind of think itching ears are just for people that don't know Jesus. They're outside of the church. They want to just tell us that everything's going to be okay. But if you read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, did you guys, oh, thank you. It says, but know this. This is again Paul talking to Timothy, a well-seasoned minister talking to a young pastor. He says, but know this, Timothy, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Now, what does perilous mean? Troubled, very difficult, and actually some translations say actually hard to bear. Now, I believe we're in these days. Difficult times will come. And so, I mean, you under, understand when Paul's writing this, <laughs> he's underneath the authority and the leadership of Nero. And what was his whole existence for? He came and he crucified Christians. He killed them, put them at the stake, burned them at the stake, throw them to the lions, put them in the Colosseum, make sport of them. All these horrible things. And Paul says, in these last days, it's going to be harder than what we're actually seeing now, Timothy. Why? Because notice this, he goes into verse 2. For people, for men, will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, Unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Then he says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, stay away from these people. Who is he talking about? He's talking about Christians. (laughs) He's not talking about the world. The world's already doing that. He's talking to Christians. So I don't know about you, but this is a wake-up call for me. Realizing, okay, and you kind of read down these verses you see, and then he talks about the Word of God. So this is what the Word of God is for. It's for correction. It's for direction. It's for reproof. It's so that we can live right, live a godly life. So chapter 4, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, where we were at. After all this, so now he says, Timothy, to laying all this out, 
in the presence of our great God and Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is destined to judge both the living and the dead by the revelation of his kingdom, I solemn you instruct you to proclaim the word of God. Everybody say that with me. To proclaim the word of God. This is what you and I are called to do. We are message carriers. Our job is to proclaim the word of God and stand upon it no matter what. No matter what kind of rules are being thrown out there. No matter what they say is hate crime. Listen, we're coming to a point. The word of God is offensive. Absolutely is. But he's instructing us. This is not just Paul. The Holy Spirit through Paul is telling us as believers, stand on the word no matter what. The pressure may come. Hold on to it. Don't bend on it. Right? Rise to the occasion and preach when it's convenient and when it's not. Most of the time I've found preaching the Word of God is not going to be in the most convenient time. Walmart lineups. Gas station pump-ups. No matter what. So we're always ready to get the Word out. That's who we are. Word. Can like we can start a little ninja group or something. Da-na-na-na-na. Get the word out and just whatever, freak people right out. Awesome. <laughs> and when it's not, he says, preach in the full expression of the Holy Spirit with wisdom and patience as you instruct and teach the people. Now notice this verse three. This is the verse I want to get to. For the time is coming when they will no longer listen and respond to the healing words of truth, because they will become selfish and proud. They will seek out teachers. Now notice, they still want teachers. I just think it's interesting that they, these people still want them. Even with all the technology we got, we still want teachers to teach to us. But notice what they're looking for? Teachers that will, with soothing words, that line up with their desires, saying just what they want to hear. So this is the third position that I saw, is people just, tell me what I want to hear. Condone my life. So say that it's okay. Listen, Jesus loves you. Come as you are, but He is going to change us. Why? Because He loves us too much for us just to be living that old lifestyle. Anybody been changed by God? I mean, anybody been corrected by God? It hurts so good, doesn't it? Right? Bring it on, God. Oh, that hurts. Bring it again. And He'll bring out something else to you. And it hurts so good. But the whole purpose behind it is because you're being formed into His image. You're destined. Listen, you're not just, you know, Joe Blow running around here. You are called to look just like him. That's Romans chapter 8. It says, that's my eternal destiny. I'm going to be just like the master. Jesus even said that. He says, when a disciple comes up, he's not going to surpass his teacher, but through instruction, through training, he becomes just like the master. Oh, are you kidding me? That's what I'm shooting for. Anybody else shooting for that? Man, that's what I'm going after. I want to look just like Him. So what's it going to take? It's going to require me with ears to hear. Why? Well, not when we're talking about faith, but I'm also just talking about it from this perspective. I want to look like Him. I want to talk like Him. I want to be a blessing to people like Him. How do I do that? I need to hear what He's got to say to me. How is the trainer going to instruct if we're not listening? Right? So just again, regarding hearing, look at Mark chapter 4, verse 24. These are Jesus' own words. This is right after the parable of the sower. Beautiful parable. Read it. Learn it. But then he says, Then he added, Play close attention. Everybody say, Close attention. To what you hear. 
Pay close attention to what you hear. Because listen, a lot of the gospel that's going out, it sounds really Christian, but it's not. When the devil shows up, he doesn't go, I'm the devil, and then throw out what he wants to say. People just go, I reject that. He comes in subtly. He comes in to make it, oh, it makes it sound good, this Christian socialism. Everybody is okay. Everybody's just going to heaven because we got the Father of all fathers and He loves us so much. Is that true? Yes, He does love us so much, but you have to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. See, so those little subtle things, listen, it sounds so good, but you have to judge everything you hear by what the Word says. Even what I'm saying, don't take it, well, this is what they teach at Impact Life Church, forget about it. Go to what the Word says. If it doesn't line up with the Word, you got to come up to me and say, Joel, that was not in the Word. I will repent on my knees, Lord, I'm sorry. You go by what the Word always says first. You have to line up with it. So if you kind of just hear, oh, everybody's okay, you know, everybody's going to be all right, you know, there's just this grace, you know, socialism. Everybody just gets whatever they want. You are going to meet a very, very interesting God when you meet Him. That is not who He is. He does not think everybody should get whatever they want. Thank you for that. All right. <laughs> it says, pay, a clo pay close attention to what you hear. What are you hearing? Because the closer you listen, now here's the thing, you spend closer time with the Word of God, the closer you listen, look what's going to happen, the more understanding you will be giving. And again, just to kind of go back to what we talked at the very beginning, all things that pertain into life and godliness have been given to us through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. The more that closer that you listen, what's going to come to you? More understanding. And what do we need? We need more understanding. I need to know what I already have. I need to know who He is in me and who I am in Him. Right. What's going to happen? Understanding is going to be given. And you will receive even more. Can you see this is what... When somebody has a good ear to hear, what's going to happen more is going to be getting to them. Whoa, whole walk of it. Then verse 25. I don't know if that... Maybe you guys don't have that verse. Sorry. If you guys... Do you guys everybody got their phone Bibles? Yep. All right. <laughs> Mark chapter 4, look at then verse 25. But to those who listen to my teaching, thank you guys very much. Um, for whoever has, New King James, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Let me read it to you in the New Living. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, what will happen? Even what little understanding they have will be taken away gone just completely absorbed up completely gone because it's going to be mixed matched with all these other things it's not that god's going you're not listening well give me that back then that's not it it just gets completely drowned out and then you see that those that get carried away with all the cares and worries of the world if the word gets choked right out so again how what is the position of your hearing anytime that you open your word or you're at home sitting in your chair what's the position of your hearing are you going with ears to hear? Or are you just looking to check off a box? Or are you just looking, oh Lord, fine, give me something good. I need some encouragement. Look, God, just tell me something good. <laughs> that's not it, God. Oh, that's a little better. Oh, oh. <laughs> so how are you hearing? <laughs> Where did that come from? I don't know. <laughs> I was a youth pastor for 10 years, so some of this stuff, I just can't help it, all right? <laughs> Now, one thing, if you look in the book of Revelation, 
Over and over, you see Jesus talking to seven different churches, and he said this exact same phrase to every church, have ears to hear. And so I want to encourage us as a church family, this is who we are. We need to be the church that has ears to hear. Because it's so easy to get caught up and go, look what that church is doing. Look at this going on. We here, we are so dedicated to find out, God, what are you saying that you want us to do? And we're going to do it this way. We are a unique church. Every church is unique. Everybody's got their own culture and brand and what they're called to do. This is one thing that we are solid on is we are only going to give the word. You are not going to hear opinions from this platform ever. Nobody's going to give their thoughts or, well, I saw this on Facebook and I wanted to share it with you. The high thought is not what we're after. We're going after what does the word of God have to say. And that's what we're going to teach. So that's our promise to you. Listen. This is who we are. We're word people. Okay. It's what we do, man. It's what we do. So being a church that has ears to hear, basically what are we? We are paying attention. We're paying attention. And you know, um, just in closing with this, we got to be people that hear for ourselves. Now because you're placed under, and what I've been finding for me, this has been so good, is uh, as a team, we play for you guys on Tuesdays, but as a team as well, leadership, we are praying for you guys on a regular basis. And I'm just finding, if, you, if this is your home church, if this is something that you, this is the place that the Lord has called you, you know what's so neat is we've actually been praying a lot of different things out. We're just regarding families. We've been praying for you on a regular basis. And, uh, but the moment that you put yourself under this covering, so to say, of this, of this pastoral team, we got access to you. Do you understand what I mean by that? If this is your home, guess what? We have complete access to pray into some things that maybe you don't know how to pray or not quite sure of the next direction. We've prayed out some pretty serious things regarding marriages, regarding your babies, regarding your future. We've, we've prayed a lot of these things through. We're not here just praying about, oh Lord, make this church do better. We're praying for our family. We care for this church. We care for you. So that's why we spend the time prayer. But if this, so if this is a place that you found to be your home, guess what? We got access to you. But on a quick little side note now, for yourself, God gave you ears and eyes for yourself. Now again, how does God speak to you and how do you see God? With what ears and eyes? Where are your ears and eyes? Yeah, pass the test. All right, they're on the inside. This is where you hear God. This is where you see things. It's on the inside. God is not going to be speaking to you from the outside. He speaks to you from the inside. Why? Because God is a spirit. You are a spirit. God lives on the inside of you, so He is speaking to you from the inside. And it will manifest on the outside. Not outside in, inside out. Okay? But Proverbs 20, verse 12, this is something that I'm acknowledging, every good thing which is in me in Christ Jesus. But it says, eyes that see, ears that hear, both are gifts from the Lord. So I wake up on a regular basis, I have eyes that see. I have ears that hear. What am I doing? I'm acknowledging every good thing that I got. I got this. Aren't you glad it doesn't say deaf ears and you're blind? Good luck. Figure it out. No, he says eyes to see, ears to hear. They're a gift from me. So I want to just encourage you, wake up. Just confess this over yourself. If you're kind of figuring out, I'm I'm a bit confused or I'm not quite seeing these things, don't say that. Start saying, I got eyes that see and I have ears that hear. I'm acknowledging what I already have. Right? Okay. Now the reason why it's so vital for you to hear for yourself is because simply faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I can't go, hey, Eric, what has God been talking to you about? Well, that's what he's been saying. Okay, I'm going to take that and I'm going to run with that too. That, that, I'm taking that Word. That belongs to me. And I go and try it. What will happen? It won't work. 
Why? Because God told Eric that. Not me, but I'm just hearing it from him thinking, oh, that's good. And I got a really good example to show you in the book of Exodus. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, I'm closing with this. Don't worry, I'm closing. <clears throat> this is the first of seven closes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Exodus chapter 14, this is right after Moses has delivered the nation of Israel from Pharaoh. And God did amazing things through the ten plagues. Remember that? Yeah. Basically, you get out of it, don't mess with God. Yeah. Be on His side. Yeah. Right? So they get released. And they're walking out, and all of a sudden, they're at the Red Sea. Mountains are around them. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh is ticked. He's got no more slaves to build his stuff. Where are those slaves? I need them back. So he's furious. He's angry. He gets all of his chariots, gets everybody around, and he said, let's go get them. So they found out the path, and off they went. Now, here we are right at this moment. Moses and all the Israelites are standing there. There's the Red Sea in front of them. Pharaoh's behind them. Now, I know we know this story, but just think about it for a moment. Huh. That's a hard place and a wet place. What are you going to do? Right? And so at this time, all the complainers start coming out. Oh, why did you take us out here just to kill us out here? And all the whiners. And then the, when the Lord... So they, we'll pick it up. Verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the people to get moving. <laughs> but do you see, this is how sometimes God talks. Sometimes you may be thinking, I'm just stuck. I don't know where to do this or this. Just get going. Start doing something. I'm just waiting for the perfect, all the stars to line up. Man, propose to the girl. <laughs> you're sitting, you're waiting for everything to hide, like all oh, and everything perfect out. Go for that job interview. Well, I need a haircut first. Well, yeah, that, do that and then you go. But we're always waiting for all these things to be perfect. It's never going to be that way. Faith doesn't wait for the perfect atmosphere in order to start moving. Doesn't wait for it. Faith just goes when it's convenient, when it's not. You just go for it. Right? So when the Lord said that to Moses, why are you telling people to out? Get going. Verse 16. Pick up your staff, raise your hand over the sea, divide the water so the Israelites can walk through the middle of the sea on dry ground. Man. <laughs> Click. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they will ch charge in after the Israelites. My great glory will be displayed through Pharaoh and his troops, his chariots and his charioteers. When my glory is displayed through them, all Egypt will see my glory and know that I am the Lord. Man. Then the angel of God who had been leading the people of Israel moved to the rear of the camp. The pillar of cloud also moved from the front and stood behind them. The cloud settled between the Egyptians and the Israelite camps. As darkness fell, the cloud turned into fire. Now, wow. A cloud turned into fire, lighting up the night. But the Egyptians and the Israelites did not approach each other all night. Why? There's fire. <laughs> then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into dry ground. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Then the Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and charioteers, chased them into the middle of the sea. Now, just keep going. But what did God tell Moses to do? He told him to stretch forth your hand and then walk across dry ground. Faith comes how? By hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Moses, did he hear something? Yes, he heard something. So he had the faith now. Okay, Lord, I can do that. Because God told him. Right? Now, did God say that to Pharaoh? 
No, if God's talking to Pharaoh, turn around now. You turn. You turn. Now. 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 Meanwhile, Pharaoh is chasing after him. He's going after him with all the chariots. But just when the, the dawn, the Lord looked down on the Egyptian army from the pillar of the fire cloud, and he threw their focus into total confusion. Their forces, sorry. He twisted their chariot wheels, making their chariots difficult to drive. Let's get out of here. Away from these Israelites, the Egyptians shouted. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. When all the Israelites had reached the other side, the Lord said to Moses, Faith comes how? By hearing. Hearing by the word of God. The Lord said to Moses, Raise your hand over the sea. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and charioteers. Now, anybody ever try that? You go to a pool and you just try... <laughs> Don't... No, seriously, who's done that before? My dad. I think my dad taught me to do that. <laughs> you go to a pool... Boys, gather around. <sighs> I forgot my staff. That's what it is. I forgot my staff. <laughs> Why isn't it working? Because God never sent it to you. If He told you, He gives you the ability to. But still, I have yet to go to Kola Kapool. Because I'm trying to impress all the swing instructors. Watch this. I'll try that a little later. But See, you're trying it. If God told you to do something, guess what? You can just do it. Faith isn't trying. It's doing. That's a huge difference. Because if you think you've heard, you're going to try it. If you know you heard, you just do it. Jamie and I, when it came to our children, we knew we were having kids. It was just a guaranteed yes. We got it. All right. That's ours. So, as the sun began to rise, Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape, but the Lord swept them into the sea. Verse 28, Then the waters returned and covered all the chariots and charioteers, the entire army of Pharaoh, of all the Egyptians who had chased the Israelites into the sea. Not a single one survived. But the people of Israel had walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground as the water stood up like a wall on both sides. In verse 30, that is how the Lord rescued Israel from the hand of the Egyptians that day. And the Israelites saw the bodies of the Egyptians washed up on the, on the seashore. When the people saw of Israel saw that, what the Lord has done, uh, they were filled with great awe before Him. They put their faith in the Lord and in His servant Moses. Now I want you to look at this. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 29, I believe it is. It says this, It was by faith. It was by faith. What is faith again? Faith comes how? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. By faith or by hearing God, the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. You don't try this faith stuff. If God spoke it to you, guess what? You just do it. This is a huge part. Well, I saw somebody else do it, so I'm going to just try that for myself. You won't get the results and you go and God gets the blame. Well, God, I prayed and I asked you for it, but what is he telling you? I need healing in my body. Wisdom is the principal thing. It may be you need to change your diet. God, just heal my body. Yeah, you're sitting down eating Twinkies all day long. There's going to be some health issues. No, I'm serious. This is where the faith people get weird. Oh, I'm just confessing. I'm going to live and not die. And they're wondering why they're dying. How's your eating? As the... It's all crazy. We were just asking God, do this. God, have all this. I need this. I need all that. And realize, not understanding, first of all, you possessor of it, but what is he telling you? 
Maybe he's telling you to put the Twinkie down. <laughs> I'm just using it as an example. But we kind of put all these things, oh my God, I just, I want this. What is he telling you to do? Because faith comes only by hearing. If you haven't heard from him, you can't believe for that. So it all comes back to this place is, what are you hearing? And so that's why the position of our hearing has got to be ears that hear. Because listen, faith only comes that way. You're trying to get answers. Lord, what do I do about my family? Don't just start picking out scriptures. Lord, what do I need wisdom. Lord, what do I do in this situation? What do I do, what do, I do right here? And the Lord will reveal it to you and faith comes by hearing. Not trying, not seeing somebody else do it. Faith comes by hearing. So some practical things I know I do for myself on a regular basis that Jamie mentioned is I'm giving myself regular checkups. I go once a week to go see Dr. Jesus. <laughs> I sit in my white chair at home. Oh God, this is just what's going on. And I just, uh, Lord, what, what, is there anything in my life that needs correction? Why? Yes, there is. Let's just talk about that. And you know what? I'm open to it. Be open for the correction. I'm open to it because I want it. So regular checkups. And how do I do that? Is by shutting off the distractions. Get away with God. Put the cell phone away. Put Insta away. Put the social away. Put all that away. Come on, somebody. It's not about checking out how many likes I got on my Instagram. It's so crazy. All of a sudden, you could just be reading your Bible and go, you know what? I put a really cool picture up that would glorify God. I got to make sure that I got 500 likes on that before I... Anybody ever do that? No. Okay, it's just me. All right, awesome. <laughs> so I had to just literally, I put everything downstairs. The, the, uh, my iPad's down there. The computer's down there. My phone's down there. And I just go up, me and Jesus, with my Bible and a notebook, because I know I journal a lot. All right, Lord, let's, let's talk. What do you, you want to say to me? And so now that's number one, shutting off the distractions. Then number two is I'm expecting to hear. So if I'm expecting to hear, that means that I don't do all the talking. Because when you're busy talking, you can't hear. So shut up. All right. You've got to want to hear from him. Don't do all the talking and learn to be still. Learn it. It is a lost art because, man, we are a microwave generation. You can get things shipped to your door from halfway across the world in three days. And if it comes on four, we're ticked. What's wrong with this company? I'm writing a review. They suck. Four days. We have lost the art of learning to be still. Sit. I'll just stop there. Anyway. So expect to hear number three then is spending time with God regularly. This is so foundational, but if you put this into practice, you're going to start seeing it. It's more than just a Sunday routine, more than just once in a while I show up. No, Lord, I'm going to spend daily time with you. Man, I could pick out Jamie if she was just in the middle of this whole crowd, if everybody was just mingling around, walking around, and she would just yell out, Joel, I would know her voice. Why? It's because we spend time connecting on a regular basis. She talks to me all the time. I hear her. I can even tell, here's the crazy thing, I can even tell if it's her texting. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, all of a sudden, like, say she's got one of my brother's phone. Hey, Goosey Bear, how are you? Javen? What? Say what? No, I know that's my wife. Oh, Jamie's got his phone. Because nobody calls me Goosey Bear except for her. <laughs> oh, baby, what's wrong? <laughs> oh, man. And spending time regularly with God doesn't just mean, okay, God, talk to me. You know what? If your Bible is closed, that means his mouth is closed. 
If you know His Word, you will know His voice. And if you, if the, the Holy Spirit, there's some things that are not written in Scriptures that are for you necessarily. Like, okay, what's, what's my next step in this area? You don't go to the book of Joel and figure it out. The Lord will need to lead you in this. So even if in His leading, you have to make sure it lines up with Scripture. I actually, not too long ago, ran into a person who said, God told me to leave my wife. God will never say that. You've got to be careful with those things. There's nowhere in that. Now, I'm not condoning if, you know, there's, there's a lot of stipulations you can work with. But I'm just saying, I, I knew this guy. I knew his background. He said, God told me just to leave her. For what? Why? Well, you know, she's not really being the best wife. Really? And how are you on the husband scale? Yeah, you probably stink yourself. I'm sure God is telling her the same thing. But you can see people just take these things and they'll say, God told me this. If it doesn't line up with the word, it was not him. So that's why in order to not be deceived, we got to know what the Word of God says. Amen? Okay, let's all stand up. I'm done. Thank you. I went about five minutes over, but I appreciate your time. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Now, just before we, we close this, I want to just make sure, is there anybody here that has never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior? We want to just give you an opportunity to confess Him as Lord. Because when you do that, the Bible says you become a child of God. And I would be so honored and privileged if I could introduce you to our, the main man, Jesus himself. Is there anybody in this room that would say, man, I, I want to come to know Jesus in a personal relationship. I'm tired with religion. I'm tired with how my life has been going. I'm tired of trying to figure things out on my own. Let me encourage you, Jesus is the way. And if there's anybody here that would like to do that this morning, with nobody just looking around, I want to just give this as an opportunity. If that's you, if you would just slip up your hand to me, we want to pray with you real quickly. Thank you, Lord. We want to just make sure. Anybody else? We just want to make sure. Is there anybody here that would like to do that? Hey. All right, we got we got one. Hey, sir. Is there anybody else? Like to do this? Don't be shy about it. you. Just come on up here. Thank you, Lord. All right, everybody, good. Everybody's a child of God. All right, if you're a child of God, put your hands up. This is who we are. Okay, just want to make sure. Okay. So what we're going to do is I'm going to get you just to say this after me. And you'll just pray with us. Oh, you're coming up. Hey, come on up. Welcome. We're glad you're here. Man, new brother, new sister, anybody else? This is... So I'm going to get everybody to do, just say this prayer after me. The Bible just simply says, if you believe in your heart, and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. The Bible says you're saved. Heaven is your home. That's where you're from. It's not about works, about being a good person. It's just simply believing and receiving. So I'm going to get you just to say this prayer after me. So we'll just everyone join us with this. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I believe with all my heart that Jesus died and he rose again. Come into my heart have my life. I give it to you freely. Thank you for dying for me and raising again for me. My life is yours to spread your glory and to make an impact in the world around me. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Hello again. Thanks for listening. 
If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we would love for you to stop by and hear one of our weekend messages. For any directions, service times, or more information on our children's programming, you can visit us at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.